Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Unleashed, the fastest hour on the internet. I'm your host, Jeff Tetz, CEO of Results, where we believe poor execution is one of the biggest reasons businesses underachieve. But what if you could turn execution into a strength, into a competitive advantage? We partner with your management team to help you solve that challenge and unlock the hidden potential that exists in your business. And have you ever struggled to find your voice or experience self-doubt? Yeah, hands up. Uh, today, we're discussing how to remove self-imposed limits to experience a richer, fuller life. Kathy Solit will join us, and she's going to share her performance of a lifetime approach that she's used with thousands of leaders to help unleash their true potential and how you can do it too. And her approach will also help you create stronger teams. And I want to thank some of our partners that make Unleashed possible. First of all, the hardworking team at the Edmonton Community Foundation, they connect donors and Edmonton area charities through the power of endowment. And they make it really easy to get your donation dollars into the hands of people that need them the most. You can connect with them at ecfoundation.org to get started for as little as $50, really make an impact. And our friends at Project Forest, so they've got a neat concept. They're connecting corporations with their environmental goals by reforesting the Canadian landscape. And they're running a contest. Yes, so for all you contesters that are joining us in today, listen up. So they want to hear your tree story. And I know, what's a tree story? I had the same question when I was asked that earlier this week. Well, it's basically your best memory or story of a tree. And if you stop and think about it, trees play a more significant role in your life than you might realize. So for example, my answer upon reflecting was, it, I think about a lilac tree that my grandparents had in the 80s in their backyard. And it reminds me of playing with my cousins and reminds me of playing soccer with my grandmother using the tree as one of the goalposts with her as the goalie. Imagine that. And they want to hear those tree stories, you can email them at info at projectforest.ca and you'll get entered into a contest for a chance to win a $250 gift certificate for landscaping trees. And believe me, $250 will buy you a lot of landscaping trees. Mike from Project Forest is going to post that email with details in the chat today. And I want to thank our show sponsor, Profound Talent. Now, Profound Talent elevates your business through your greatest asset, your people. Through executive and professional level recruitment and leadership development, Profound Talent is your partner in growth. And you can contact Terry and her wonderful team for a conversation at profoundtalent.com. And we're always searching for ways to add value to our Unleashed community. So here's a couple of things we're trying. Now, we know for sure that everybody in the Unleashed community eats. So how would grass-fed beef, hormone-free chicken, and healthy fish delivered right to your doorstep sound to you. Well, that's a little experiment we're trying with Bessie Box right now. They're a really cool Alberta-based startup company. And I'm gonna share how you can make this happen and get a 10% discount on your order at the end of today's conversation. We're also playing around with what we're calling an after party. And if you wanna stick around and talk about today's topic or connect with leaders and discuss any leadership topic for that matter, you can join Jennifer and Jeff for a 30-minute conversation following immediately following today's episode and you can watch for the link to join that after party right near the end of the episode and so it's my pleasure to introduce to you all uh, kathy solid she's a social entrepreneur executive coach jazz singer and performance activist she's been a community organizer and educator since she was 13 years old when she dropped out of school and not just dropped out but get this she started her own high school in New York City. I'm like, you know, I was still trying to learn how to use Velcro and she was starting her own high school, my goodness. 
Uh, for 23 years then, Solit was the CEO and co-founder of the award-winning leadership consultancy, Performance of a Lifetime. She uses the acronym POAL to describe it. Under her leadership, POAL developed as a top brand uh, client roster, in including American Express. They worked with IBM. They worked with Twitter, Nike, worked with Pfizer, the U.S. Olympics, and the Johns Hopkins Hospital. POAL uses the innovative performance and development approach, helping leaders and teams to collaborate, grow, and create cultural change. She's also the author of Performance Breakthrough, A Radical Approach to Success at Work. We're going to be giving away some of those copies today, by the way. And her work's been featured in the Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and the Wall Street Journal. And in 2020, in the face of the global pandemic, Kathy launched an online initiative called the Global Play Brigade, where actors, improvisers, therapists, educators, and coaches from over 45 countries around the world offer free play and emotional support workshops as a way to support people going through this crisis together. That's a wonderful initiative. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Unleashed. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Jeff. I've been looking forward to getting a chance to talk with you. And me too. So this is a, this this is a uh, this is a really interesting topic, and it, and it has a wide appeal, but also a very I think it's very personal experience with the content that you have in this subject at all. I mean, we all like we all experience self doubt. We all have moments where we sort of recognize an opportunity, and we don't always seize it. We sometimes play small. And I have to tell you, as I was going through the book. I, I, I kind of experienced a wide range of emotions and even some sadness. I think it made me reflect on times of in my life where I knew I could have done something different. I could have taken a bit of a risk. I could have been more uncomfortable. And I just sort of knew that there was uh, there was something better awaiting me, a richer experience. But for one reason or another, I sort of chose to stay on the sidelines and sit it out. And, and I regret those, uh, those those situations for sure. Uh, but I know in your experience in theater through your whole life, you've started to see some really sort of significant, I guess, relationships that theater has with living our best lives in general. And I wondered if you could just elaborate on that a little bit. Sure, sure, I'd love to. Um, you'll have so many more opportunities, Jeff, to do things that are gonna make you uncomfortable and give you the, uh, the, the chance to grow. So don't worry about the ones that you've missed. <laughs> yes, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, so, oh theater. I mean, you know, before COVID, I was fortunate. I live in New York City, and I was fortunate to be able to see at least one show a week, whether it was on Broadway or off Broadway or off off Broadway, whether it was a scripted show or an improv show. I mean, I, I, I love being around the theater. I love, um, I love these stories that the theater tells us and shares with us, I think that's a very, very important human experience that we, that we get to have when we're, we're in a room that has anywhere from 50 seats to 200 to 2,500, depending on the size of your the theater. And you're there watching other human beings create and perform a story for you where you get transported to a whole other life, one that you don't have. And so I think that there's a way that theater can impact and introduce us to the world <laughs> in ways that don't happen if we're sort of stuck in our, if, you know, just in our own sort of orbit, right? So they really do transport us. So, so in that sense, I just, I'm a huge fan, right, of theater. But I also think that um, the, and I think that makes us better people as a result of 
being able to hear and see these other stories about people who are different than us. It's also the case that the kind of creativity and the kind of work that you do in the theater, making up scripts, developing characters, working as an ensemble where you're, you're, you're working off of each other. This is, these ideas and these concepts are really, really useful off the stage. And so my work has really been about taking some of those ideas and those tools and those concepts from the world of theater, along with the ideas and concepts that come from childhood play and helping people who are not professional performers and who are not little children, <laughs> i.e. most people, adults, <laughs> um, to use some of those magical tools, if you will, that are human made to help us to grow, to help us to expand, to help us to discover new possibilities for both who we are and who we can be. Yeah, Kathy, uh, you've put that very succinctly and I'm, I'm looking forward to really exploring those topics with you today. You talk in your book and in your work quite a bit that, and I like how you make this link to childhood because we're, we're all born naturally curious and exploratory and silly and fun. And, you know, we don't have a lot of boundaries on ourselves as, as, as we're learning. And we kind of, the system kind of beats that out of us as we become uh -huh. adults. And one of the things that you talk about is, is uh, the knowing paradigm. And, I, and that was the first time I'd ever heard of that. And I wondered if you could sort of talk about like, what is the knowing paradigm and how does that actually harm us? Uh, yeah, it's a biggie. Um, so the knowing paradigm is the, well, first of all, you know, paradigm, that's sort of like a, a little bit of a fancy word, but this idea that it's sort of like a frame for understanding something, a frame for describing and understanding something. And then that, so the knowing, the knowing paradigm is one that, it, that is basically the idea that um, everything in life is knowable. And in order to succeed, you have to be a good knower. Now, there are certain things that are knowable. Like, you know that if the light is red and you're at the corner, you should probably wait until it turns green to cross. That's a good thing to know. But we didn't know that COVID was going to happen. We don't know what it means to love somebody we don't know whether or not our next sales call is going to be successful. We don't know how this meeting is gonna go. We don't, on and on and on and on. There's so much that we don't know, but yet there, this, this, there's a huge value, um, I would say a distorted value that's put on all of us in our culture. And this is across many cultures that says that in order to be successful, in order to be, um, uh, a good person, you have to know what to do and how to do it. But the problem with that is that that leaves out all that in life is about possibility, is about emergence, is about imagination, is about creativity. And I think that for leaders, I think that for all of us, whether we're, you know, at work or, or not at work, whether we're, you know, the pressure to know ends up dampening our and hurting our ability to see and create possibilities. 
And we need that. We, that's actually what we need in order to be successful. That's what we need in order to live full lives. And so this kind of brings us to the foundation, I think, of your work and some of your approaches uh, in creating Poal to, be, to begin with. So how do we start to then, I guess, uh, embrace the unknown? How do we actually celebrate that and make that work for us instead of against us? Improvisation is a wonderful uh, tool and a wonderful art form that really, really helps. It, it creates incredible humor and funny, you know, experiences and, and hilarity on the stage for those of your listeners who have either done any improv or uh, if you have seen improv, and that includes some of the fabulous Canadian performers who started Whose Line Is It Anyway. <laughs> um, that the improv, you know, it's making things up right on the spot, right? It's working without a script. That kind of not knowing, because you never know what's going to happen, that creates incredible, you know, joy and comedy on stage. But if you take that off the stage and you give it to all of us, which we're all naturally, as you were referring to before as children, we all are natural improvisers, um, but we get scripted, right? But if we can start integrating some of the ideas and tools from improvisation, then I think we can get better at sort of reinitiating this ability that we have to not know and to, and to find joy in it and to find um, all kinds of new things that you didn't know were possible. Yeah, That's, that sounds scary to me, Kathy. Very scary. <laughs> you, you, you use a term called the becoming principle. And I, uh, I wondered if that's maybe a good segue to talk about that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yes, the becoming principle is this idea that, that human beings, we're not just who we are, right? We're who we are and who we are becoming at the same time. We're who we are and who we are not yet. You know, Jeff, we've got that we've got that one minute video that I was thinking that maybe we could show that now and sure. then we can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that sounds great, Kathy. That's a good uh, that's that's a good cue for sure. Yeah. Okay. They need to work on that, right? Yes, okay. Did you understand it though? No. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> huh? Oh, no, not, not this one. This is, this is the grand finale of this one. Okay, the last one? Yeah, that's the last one. That's what I was wondering. I don't know what they're going to do next season because they did some stuff this time. Exactly what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, don't bring that in. You know what I'm saying? Don't do the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was thinking that, yeah. Yeah. Like go somewhere else with that, but don't break it here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I said. Then it was like, ah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? But don't do it here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Really? I thought the same thing. <laughs> we think a lot alike, huh? <laughs> That's crazy. Right. <laughs> so, 
you, you can't you can't watch that and not laugh or not not smile and you you can't watch that without thinking about the last time you were that person too right uh, uh, whether you know it's, it's the cute dog that walks in or you know you you meet a cute kid in a coffee shop you've never met before right so yeah. <laughs> I, you know, so I think we all get the cuteness factor in this Kathy but what does this have to do with becoming a better leader as an adult well um First of all, to your point, we've been both, we've been both the little child and we've been the big person, right? I mean, so the thing that's so, I've seen this thing, I mean, I don't know how many times, I just, I love this, it's still entertaining to me because it is such a beautiful performance that we all have participated in. Yeah. And in fact, as we're here right now, there are millions of these conversations going on right now. These same kinds of things where you have a little baby going, blah, 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 and, the, and the big person saying, yeah, I feel the same way. Let me go get you your food. It's lunchtime, right? And we relate to the child as if they know how to speak before they do. And so we acknowledge that they are who they are, right? They're this little, you know, little creature that can't speak and does a lot of pooping, right? Um, but we're also relating to the child as who they are not yet. We relate to them as if they know how to speak because it's that activity, it's that improvisational collective activity that we're doing with the child that actually makes it possible for them to speak. And so that's how we learned how to speak. We didn't, you know, we didn't say to the kid, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, here's a grammar book. Come, come talk to me back in two years when you, you know, when you have something to say that makes sense. We don't do that. We do that in schools later on. We do that in the corporate world. We, and, and as opposed to saying, huh, this is where we are now. I'm going to relate to you as someone who can grow, who will speak, speaking of the little child, who can develop, who can do things that you don't know how to do. And I'm going to support you to do that. And so in childhood, we, we just give our children unconditional support and everybody participates in it. Just like you said, Jeff, you said you walk down the street, you see a little bit like we're allowed to do it too, you know? And so that that is the the becoming principle in some sense is saying wait a minute this incredible transformation occurs in early childhood from going from being a non-speaker to being a speaker we take that and we're taking the ideas that come from the theater where actors are playing characters that are not who they are as a way to share a story as a way to to, to convey emotion as a way to entertain, whatever you want to say, that human ability to both be who we are and who we're not is something that we can tap into and exercise all the time as a way to live fuller and more productive and happier lives. You said a lot there, Kathy. Wow. Okay. Uh, so what no it's no and again a really good way it's just you're making me think uh, think about a lot of different things as it sort of pertains to the workplace and one well, I guess one one of the things I'm thinking is is sort of how do we start to make that that leap I guess personally because you share <clears throat> like examples in your book where like <clears throat> somebody's just been given a promotion and maybe they've got imposter syndrome and they don't feel like they're qualified for the for the role what are some things that we can just do personally, I suppose, to start to try this approach on for size and see sort of how it serves and works for us? 
Um, I think that uh, let's let's let me try to answer that in two ways. Let me try to answer that as the person who um, you know for yourself, let's say, but also for how you how to perform with others, how to be with others to support them. Because I think that I think that for all of um, for all of us. This is again sort of a cultural bias that I think happens, and that it's, and I think it's connected to the knowing paradigm, which is that we've we're all individuals, which we are, but we've got to we've got to figure it out ourselves. Everything has to do with us individually, as opposed to what does it take to create an environment where people can grow. So, what does it take to create an environment for yourself where you can grow? Um, here's one thing that I think is really hard for a lot of people. Ask for help. Ask for help. Sometimes it's very hard for us to ask for help because we don't want to let anybody know that we don't know how to do whatever it is. Back to the knowing paradigm. And so then we freeze and we don't do certain things because we're so embarrassed or so humiliated or so ashamed, whatever you want to say. You know, we think people will think that of us if we say, hey, you know, you're really good at this. Could you could you talk to me about how do you I see you up there. I see you running these meetings. What do you think about when you do that? Because when I'm running a meeting or I'm about to run a meeting and I don't know how to do that, you know, but you're so good at this. What do you do? What do you think about it in advance? What do you think? How do you handle all the questions that come? And like we can do more of that with each other and for each other. And that means being comfortable with being uncomfortable. That means being in that not knowing space. And you know, the best leaders are the ones who they get, they know what they're good at, but they're also great learners and they're great listeners. And they're confident enough to be able to say, hey, you know, there are other experts out there. Let me go to them. And whether, again, that's like on the big stage and the little stage. Well, and every single day, unless we're just completely not paying attention, those moments are in front of us all the time about how does she do that? How does he do that? Boy, I wish I was as good at that as they are. And, and if we were a child, that childlike curiosity where there's no limits and no boundaries, we would just be, you know, that, that stage of being a toddler where the why questions never end and it drives you crazy as a parent. But then you, you sort of wish that that would come back later in life when they don't uh, they don't they don't want to talk to you anymore. But how do we get back to that? How do we reconnect with that innate curiosity, Kathy, so that we can start to do more of that? Yeah, yeah. Um, would you play a game with me? <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. No, no <laughs> promises on how good of a partner I'll be here, but I'll certainly try. Well, you know how I was talking about improv before and about how, you know, it's unscripted, right? And it's, um, and when it's good, it's, it, it seems as if there's a script. If you, if like, if you see some of these guys and gals that are on, you know, on stage or on, on television, you think they, they're not making it up. They have to be, have had some idea in advance of what was going to happen. And now, you know, whatever it is, but they're not. They actually are really making it up. Yeah. And what they're doing, one of the secrets is that they are incredible listeners. They got they have a superpower in listening. And they're listening by employing this golden rule of improv. It's called yes and. 
yes and. And so I want to play a game with you. I want to, I'm going to do a version of a yes and game with you right now on the spot without yep. a script. <laughs> you okay, yep. Jack? I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> hands free. There's no wire connecting me here. Like, that's right. That's right. Um, and I want to share it with, with the audience because I think that in answer to your question, how can we start to get better at not knowing? How can we get better at feeling comfortable to like to to build with things that we to do things that we don't know how to do right um i think this is one of those tools so here's what's going to happen you and i are going to recall a vacation that we were on together all right um nobody knew that you and i actually took a vacation together yep, it was yep. uh, it was like whatever five six years ago yeah and so, um, and we can make the whole thing up, right? In fact, we are going to make the whole thing up because we yep. haven't been on vacation together. Uh, but we're going to pretend that we've been on vacation together and we're going to recollect. We're going to recollect. And what I want to ask you to do is I want you to accept as true everything that I say about this vacation, okay? And I'm going okay. to accept as true everything about the vacation that you share. And then we're going to add something that happened that is somehow connected to what each of us shared. Okay. Okay. And what I'm going to do is if I, if I see you, if I notice that you're maybe going like way off and it's not really connected, then I'll, I'll say something like that. And I'll say, let's see if you can connect it to what I just said. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like, so for example, it, it, it might go something like if I said, Oh, Hey, Jeff, remember when we, when we went to Paris and you were like, oh yeah, and we had to learn how to speak French one month before because it was like a late, a late breaking plan. So yes, we met with that French teacher and that guy was so crazy. And you know what I'm saying? So it's got that kind of yep. thing. Yeah, got it. All right, so you started off. Okay, uh, Kathy, uh, this pandemic is reminding me so much of what I miss, which is vacations. And the trip that we took down to Denver to go watch Tom Brady play with the Patriots, I'm never going to forget. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then because of the connections that you have, we got to talk to Tom Brady afterwards. That was crazy. That's right. Well, and, and then when we went into the dress room to talk to him, remember where you just got caught up talking to that running back? Uh, oh, you, he went to the same college as you, and I can't remember his name, but you got caught up in such conversation. Oh, yeah. oh, you didn't yeah. even barely talk to Brady. Yeah, yeah Richard, I know. Well, well I mean, Richard was a very good friend of mine. And so, and he just, he, he, he was, he was a really strange person though. I have to say, I have to say, but you know, if you remember then, Tom was trying to get my attention because you were, I guess you were talking about me and he starts jumping up and down. Right. Remember that? Yeah, it was. And I thought, uh, I thought that uh, there was a mouse in the uh, locker room because Denver at that point, they were, it was all over the news. There was a rat problem in the city. Yes. Oh God. Oh God. And then later that night, that night when we were at the bar with Tom and Richard and, and Giselle, of course, and all of these rats came out. It was awful. Uh, we picked a bad time uh, to be eating nachos and cheese, didn't we? Yes, we did. Oh, God. And scene. Very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you, how was that for you? Well, it's 
better than expected. The, the problem that I always, and I've done some improv, and I think probably a large people, a percentage of people tuning in have probably been exposed to some corporate, uh, some corporate uh, improv uh, in the last five or six years with its rise in popularity. I have a hard time getting out of my own head, Kathy. So I'll overthink it quite a bit. So that felt relatively comfortable. But I find when I get into those situations, if it was just real life and I was sitting on the couch with you kind of thing and we just went at it, probably would be really funny. And uh, and it's like I, 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 have, I, have an, I think there's a tendency to overthink and try too hard when yeah. I get into these conversations. Yeah. 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 No, that's super important what you're saying. And I think that's helpful. That's why you practice this. Mm -hmm. That's why you practice. Yes. And and so. I think that so one of the things I often will counsel people who are who are just getting into the workforce, like I, I just yeah. gave a talk the other day at the Rotterdam School of Management. And so these are people who are who were, um, you know, early in their career. And we were talking about yes and as a way to help them talk in meetings and be in conversations where they feel so worried about how they look and what people are going to think about them. And they don't, they don't know the culture. They don't know how things work around here and so on. And that to apply yes and, whether you literally say yes and or whether or not you are thinking it, means that you're listening to what's going on around you as an improviser. And you're building with what you hear to say the next thing or to ask the next thing. But it's always connected to what has come before. And that, by the way, is the essence of creativity. It is the essence, nothing, nothing has been created from scratch. You look at jazz, you look at art, you look at any form of music, you look at dance, you look at everything, poetry, fiction, Everybody has been is standing on the shoulders of people before us. And so that's what it means to be human. That's what it means to be alive. And we need to be free and freed to exercise that in every aspect of our lives. Yeah. So Kathy, I, I can't help but think about the applications in the workplace. And so you're suggesting that we should start to actually do these kinds of exercises with our colleagues. That's, that's, that's fair. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a senior leader of a, of a mid-sized company right now that they barely have time to get their work done and trying to convince somebody to make time for play and for improv. Like, what's the upside, I guess? Like, what would you say to someone that's sitting here right now with their arms crossed saying, well, you know, it's, it's fun to play around once in a while, but we got work to do. And I, I really don't see the benefit to my company if we could do something like this. Uh, well, first of all, let me just say that I, um, you know, as you know, I was CEO of Performance of a Lifetime for 23 years. I co-founded it and I recently I stepped down in January of 2020. So I have to say I'm happy that I am no longer trying to convince business people that this is something worthwhile. My, co my, my, my partner, my former partner <laughs> and colleagues are still doing that. Uh, but um, I decided that I didn't want to spend any more time trying to convince people because I think that it is so clearly obvious to me that it is a value that um, in fact, more and more people do get it and do understand the value. Um, I mean, 20 years ago when we started, it was like, what's improv? And so I actually think that there's a shift, but that said, 
I will yeah. still answer your question, Jack, even though I just, <laughs> um, I think people really get the importance of creativity and that there are people in the workplace who need and want to be creative in what they're doing. And that that is a very important part of any sort of successful team, number one. Number two, the rule about improv is not only is it yes and, it's this idea that is, that is very much in sports as well, which I know is close to your hearts. And that is make your partner look good. It's like, it's like, the, it's like the creative version of there is no I in team. And improvisation is a team sport. It is about collaboration. You can't succeed unless you are, you can't succeed at improv unless you're collaborating. You can't collaborate unless you are imp improvising to some extent because you have to be willing to let go of your agenda and let other input be part of the picture. So this is whether you're dealing with issues of diversity and inclusion, whether this is in creating and growing a team, this is an innovation. It's absolutely essential for innovation and creativity. And I think it goes a long way, this idea, yes, and somebody, I saw somebody put in the chat and they're so right. They really, they, they hit the nail on the head. And instead of, but is so powerful, is so powerful, but closes things down. But is just a form of no. And again, I'm not saying you should never say no, believe you me, I, I have nothing against saying no. There's just so many more places and so much more room for us to say yes. Mm -hmm. and. Yeah, and I, when I hear you say that there's probably fewer organizations that are adopting this than more, I immediately think competitive advantage. So, you know, if you could be an early adopter in, in, oh, yeah. in, you know, in your industry as an example, the only other thing I think we do too often, Kathy, is we look for the hard ROI. And I think more and more, we're actually starting to see now a lot of research pointing towards what we used to think were soft skills about trust and connection and emotional safety and, and those types of things. Those are actually the precursors to all the ROI, the hard revenue numbers and uh, customer loyalty and market share that we usually, uh, usually want to see evidence of early. And I, I can't help but just sort of encourage people to remember how you feel every time you do something that sort of scares you. How do you feel when you get on the other side of that? I mean, even doing a simple exercise with you today, that makes me feel alive. I feel like, wow, I took a little bit of a risk in front of a couple hundred people and we did it. And I feel like the richness of my life is just even better in a small little thing like that. So imagine if you could do that with hundreds of employees in your company, what would that mean for your culture, for your productivity, innovation, creativity, and all of those things? Yeah, I mean, I was just reading a quote from, um, I think it might've been uh, Richard Branson um, from Virgin or, or somebody else, but he was saying, you know, the happy employees <laughs> translates to happy customers. <laughs> happy employees translates to loyalty. Happy employees, employees who feel like they're being engaged and that people are thinking about them and care about them. I mean, I mean, you know, the research has been shown in every single research study that's been done. People yeah. don't leave jobs, they leave their bosses. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not a good boss, part of what that means is that you have not 
created an environment in which the people who work for you feel that they are respected, that they are being related to, whether they have the language or not, as not only who they are, but as who they are becoming. Yeah. You have those, you have that kind of relationship with your people. They're sticking around doing a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Kathy, I also pay close attention when I read something that seems to be so counterintuitive to what I've grown up believing, uh, or, or even maybe research I've come across. And one of the things you talk about in, in, uh, in your work kind of flies in the face of what I've seen people like Marcus Buckingham and the Gallup organization talk about, which is play to your strengths. And it's this notion that if we can put, put employees in roles where they're sort of 80%, 85% of their time is spent utilizing their strengths, that's going to be a predictor of high employee engagement. But you actually talk about something different where playing too much to your strengths can be dangerous. And I wondered if you could elaborate on that. Yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of counterintuitive, right? Um, yeah. Uh, let me see if I can give you an example. I actually just did a coaching session yesterday with a senior VP, one of my clients, who I, who's just such a smart person, um, an engineer, a uh, really good guy. Um, and he, he, um, he's making a shift right now from uh, basically being this incredible functional leader, you know, who just, the man knows everything. They talk about being a knower. He just knows everything that you need to know in order to, from a, from a technology perspective, right? So super, super smart guy. But he's, he's been promoted and now he's got the, he has the challenge of needing to not only be the person who makes everything happen, but actually to lead other people and to, and to grow from an enterprise perspective and to be more strategic and so on. And this is, as I'm sure you know, Jeff, in your work, I mean, this is a very important pivot that leaders often have to make, right? He, his strengths are, his strength is that he is an incredible knower. He does get into the weeds. He understands things incredibly well. And so he gets stuck in, oh my God, I could just do it myself. I could just do it myself. You don't have to talk to these other people who don't know how to do it as well as I do. And so, a, they don't grow. B, he doesn't sleep. C, he will not grow as a strategic leader because he is so much tied to his strengths in all the things that he knows how to do. Now, one of the things that we talked about is that if he could get better, which he's working on, not knowing Part of what that means is for him to use his strength as someone who really gets to the bottom of things, but applies that to helping support his people, to helping support his people. So he told me a story where he was really frustrated with, with, with some people. And I asked him a lot of questions about it. And what we discovered was that he didn't know because he had not asked the questions gee, how come that happened that way? What was it like to talk to so-and-so? Oh, you know, because it turns out we discovered this one person or this difficult person to deal with and so on. So he wasn't applying his strengths to this, this area where he feels very uncomfortable, where he might say, oh, that's the soft stuff. Oh, that's the, you know, the touchy-feely stuff. I don't know how to have that conversation. I don't know the answer. Good, don't know the answer. 
be an explorer, be a discoverer, say to your person, tell me what happened, tell me what, what went down and let, let's see if we can figure this out together because I don't know, I don't know how to, I don't know what the answer is, let's figure it out together. Yeah. So in that sense, I'm answering your question. I'm sort of both talking about the difficulty if you only do your, use your strengths, but then also how to use your strengths and use them in areas that you're not good at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when I hear you describe that, I think about a leader that's very adaptable and very agile. And as the world changes and becomes more unpredictable, those types of attributes, I think, are going to be some of the things that separate tremendous leaders from, from, from everybody else. Yeah, I think so. Kathy, what about on some, some aspects of sort of enhancing team performance? Because I think a lot of times I look at these tools and say, well, what can I do personally? But uh, the real impact is if you can get your teams performing uh, uh, differently. And one of the things you talk about is starting to refer to them as ensembles instead of teams. So what's some of the upside or the benefit to referring to our teams more as ensembles? Um, you know, team is good. So I'm not, I'm certainly not putting down team. Um, I think it probably has more to do with my, both my personal experience in terms of coming from the world of theater and improvisation. Um, on the one hand, on the other hand, I do think that the distinction to be made that is helpful is we don't typically think about creativity as it applies to teams or how, as it applies to how human beings talk to each other. But just like human beings have the ability to create an, an amazing painting or a beautiful dance or an incredible story and to use creativity there, we can use creativity in how we listen all of that yes and exercise that we just played with. Um, we can use creativity in being curious. We can be, use creativity in saying, let's try something brand new. And that doing that together as a team. So for example, you know, one of the things that I often will try to help people with is, is boring, deadly meetings. And I know that we've all been in many of them. <laughs> Sometimes, rather than just being frustrated or feeling like, kill me, shoot me now because I can't bear it or whatever it is, we could decide that what we want to do is have everybody go around the room and share a quirk. Or have everybody go around the room and say, you've got one minute to brag your butt off about something that you did. Or you've got, you, you know what I'm saying? There's endless, you know, that, if some, that, that when somebody gives, you say, okay, this person's gonna give a report. Anytime anybody gives a report, everybody stand up and give them a hand. Now, that doesn't take off a whole lot of time for those of us who are concerned about time. Yeah. But the point is a couple things. One of the things that improvisation and performance and play helps us see is that we have choices. We have choices, but we get stuck and we think, well, this is the way the team works together. This is the way we do that Tuesday morning meeting. You know, this person always runs it. Well, why don't you have the junior person run it? Why don't you have a rotating thing where the, the most junior person 
And then the next most junior person runs the meeting every week, or they run 15 minutes of it. And part of what, A, it's going to, I guarantee you, if that person doesn't know what they're doing, it's going to be a more interesting meeting. It's going to, like, you know, when you were saying that when you did the yes and, Jeff, yeah. I'm sorry, when we did the vacation, <clears throat> you know, you said you felt sort of alive. Everybody will feel like, oh, you're, oh, oh, you're, you're allowed to do it differently around here. Oh, oh, I didn't know we could do that. Oh, I thought you're always the head of the meeting. Yeah. Oh, 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 you mean we're only going to hear from the people who never speak? And when they speak, we're going to give them a, you, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's endless choices. So that to me is, is our tapping into our creativity. Yeah. And in that way, I think ensembles maybe helps us imagine that just a little bit more than teams. Yeah, I like that. And in my experience, when other people will run a meeting, we often will stick to the same agenda. And if there's some kind of a challenge or the agenda is not followed quite, quite to the way that it usually is, the instinct, I think, is to take people back to the way we always do it. So you're, you're having somebody else deliver the meeting, but you're trying to make them do it like you would. And if we can stay mindful of some of these improv improvisational uh, rules, make people look good, follow them. Yes, and I mean, I, that, that's pretty powerful. I've never thought about it from that perspective before. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Kathy, the, the other thing that comes up in, in all organizations, large and small, is conflict. There's conflict every day. Interpersonal conflict, small little things that flare up. How can we use some of your approaches to perhaps mitigate or solve or smooth out interpersonal conflict? Yeah, that's a big one, huh? Yeah. Um, I think it's a, it's a very big one, both on a personal level and on a societal level. So that question is one that, you know, is just so important. Um, here's something to try. Okay, um, and that we've, that we've had a lot of success with both, you know, clients of performance of a lifetime and also in, in a lot of the nonprofit community work that I do around the globe. This exercise that, that I created, it's called Performing Curiosity. Performing Curiosity. And what it's about is there you are, you're talking with someone, and you don't agree with the damn thing they're saying. Or maybe you agree with what they're saying, but you hate them <laughs> for whatever reason. Good reason, bad reason. You just, this is not going well. This is not a good situation. Take a breath and say to yourself, I'm going to perform being curious, even though I am not. I am not curious. I know why this person thinks this way and they're stupid or whatever your version is, right? You know, of the voice inside our heads. I'm right. Yeah. But you perform curiosity and you ask open-ended questions and you say things like, tell me how you're thinking about that. I really want to know more about where you're coming from in that. You know, I don't, I don't, you could say, I don't agree with you. Yeah. But I want to know, I want to understand. So talk to me about that, whatever that is. And then keep going, keep going deeper. But, but to shift from trying to convince 
the person that you're right and they're wrong. That shift, and, and this is where the notion of performance is very important and it gets back to being who you are and who you are becoming because you don't feel curious. It doesn't feel authentic. But if you perform it, because we have that ability, just like those that, actors. Yeah, Kathy, that and that that is the distinction. That is one of the things that resonates with me so much about the work that you do. Because there's a, we probably, many of us have heard the term, fake it till you make it. And that has always bothered me because to me, that reeks of inauthenticity. And, and I don't like that. But a long time ago, one of the most life-changing things I did was work with a life coach back in 2004. And she had this phrase, act as if. Yeah. And, and, and that was like, okay, that feels authentic. And I think that that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Is, you don't get energy to go to the gym. You kind of go to the gym and then you get the energy. So we got to sort of act our way to getting there, but, but acting with authenticity. And, and I, and I think like, as soon as we start to break that, you know, is it genuine curiosity or not? And I, I just wonder if you do have some tips on, if you're not feeling particularly curious about someone that you don't have rapport with, how do you act as though you're curious, but also not coming across as inauthentic? You could say, I'm trying something new. I really disagree with you, but I want to be, I want to do something different because I want to say yes to you. I yeah. want to say yes to us. I want to say yes to this workplace. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to try something that is hard for me, but I really want to do it. So could you tell me why you feel that way? Could you tell me how you see it? And, and so you could do that or you could not. You could also just say that to yourself and know that that's the case. I have, you know, one of my favorite quotes is from Walt Whitman. He says something like, do I contradict myself? Very well then, yes, I can contradict myself. I am large, I contain multitudes. So we can be, it's, I think it's, I think it's inauthentic to think that we are only one way that goes back to just being who we are and not who we are becoming. Mm -hmm. We are, we are ever changing, emerging, growing human beings. I mean, the philosophical debate about whether the world was at rest or whether the world was in motion is something that got talked about a long, long time ago. And there's a lot of people who still are stuck on things are at rest. Yeah. No, they're in motion. So let's get in motion. That's authentic. That's what it means to be a human being, not to just be one way. Yeah. Yeah. That resonates for sure. And I often say it. So at the, at the start of every episode, I say it's the fastest hour on the internet. It certainly feels that way to me. So we, uh, the hour is sort of fast coming up here and I, really? and I have a whole bunch of other questions, even unrelated to work and I mean, you are, you've definitely been an activist for social change and, and uh, very much focused on humanity. And, and one of the thoughts I had coming in today was around school. And so succeeding in school sort of often requires kids to master old ways of thinking, but surviving in the real world is all about sort of new ways of thinking and being adaptable. What's something that we can do using your approaches to help kids better prepare for the world ahead? Hmm. It's such a great question. Um, 
this this talk that I did uh, that where I was guest lecturing um, earlier this week or last week, um, this sort of came up. Uh, the professor coined this phrase, which I just loved, which I told her I was going to steal, and here it is. I'm going public with it because uh, she was very taken with the approach as well. She said, I hear what you're saying. She said, what you're saying is that all this stuff that, that, that my students, that all of our students have to learn and go through. Yes, we have to do that because that's the game. That's important. She said, but hold it lightly. She said, hold it lightly, meaning don't let it turn you, it turn into who you are. Don't let it overtake you. It's like, yes, I have to learn, you know, um, accounting principles, but don't, don't turn that into the way you talk to your children. <laughs> don't turn that into the only thing it means to be at work. But understand that there, and, and understand that there are hierarchies and dynamics and all of that that you have to learn. You got to learn that game. You got to learn the culture. But hold it lightly. Don't let it turn into the only thing that is that is there. And that's and that's why sort of sort of back to the the meeting concept of like let's switch up the way we do meetings. Hold the there are invisible rules all over the place. Human beings made those rules. We are adapting to them, but at some point along the way, human beings made those rules. And that means that we can make up new ones, that human beings can still make up, that we can break rules and make up new ones. So this is sort of philosophical, Jeff. Um, I don't know if it's not pragmatic enough, but I just like to think about that and to say, huh, look at this. This is a scene that's going on at my workplace. This is that scene that always happens. There are other scenes that I would like to create. Let me go create some other scenes because we are the performers, the actors, the directors, the writers, but the costume designers of our lives. Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and we are the players. Grab that, have that, explore that. Don't just accept things as, as they are. We can switch it up. We must switch it up. That's what human progress is about. Yeah, wow, that's beautifully said. Kathy, my, I think my last question that I have for you today is uh, I couldn't help but just think a lot about you dropping out of school in grade eight and not only dropping out, but starting your own high school. What did dropping out of school at that age and starting your own high school uh, sort of mean to your life? How did that impact the sort of the path that your life went down? Oh my God, it has every, I just, you know, it's, it's what made me the crazy person and successful person that I am. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, my mom gave me permission and she made the demand. She said, you can drop out, but you have to start your own school, right? Yeah. And so th being that young and being given that improvisational gift and that right and that authority and that power to say, go forth and see what you can co-create with others to learn that that early on has been such a gift that my mother gave to me that I, I feel like um, it, it just, I didn't know it then, you know, when you're in the middle of it and I was 
13, so you don't know what the heck anything is, you know. <laughs> but 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 now I can see that really shaped my my desire and my embracing and my love for not knowing and for the creative collaboration you can have with others. Absolutely. I, I listened to a podcast yesterday. It was Adam Grant and Jane Goodall, who of course is, is oh. famous for, for studying gorillas in, in the wild. And Adam asked her a similar question of how did she break those barriers uh, in, in doing this kind of research and being a woman and growing up in the area that she has. And she said her mother, her mother said, you can be anything you want, but it's going to be hard work and prepare her that way. So it sounds like both of you had mothers who used improv and said yes and to your uh, somewhat zany ideas. Yeah, she definitely, she definitely did. Yeah. Uh, Kat, Can I talk about the Global Play Brigade for a second? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, so actually I want to say two things. One is that that if you are interested in uh, the performance of a lifetime work, my, the work that you've been hearing about today um, in the business world, please do check out performanceofalifetime.com. Uh, they continue to do fabulous, fabulous work. Actually, they're definitely going past me. Uh, they're, they're, I spoke with them the other day and they, they're doing incredible work with major companies. Uh, so please check them out. Um, the Global Play Brigade, as you mentioned, Jeff, was an initiative that um, I launched at the outset of COVID. Um, and uh, it is, you can find it on the web, globalplaybrigade.org. And it's a, it's a community now of thousands of people, um, hundreds of whom are artists who are call themselves performance activists, people who are using the arts in some way, whether it's off the stage or in, behind the outside of the canvas or you know whatever, whatever it is to, in everyday life as a way to promote and create uh, community empowerment and social change. And there's a whole field out there of performance activism. And we are now providing free workshops for people. So you can experience, all of our listeners can, can, can go, go to globalplaybrigade.org and sign up for any of these workshops. They're happening across as many as 50 countries. Um, the sessions are like an hour long or an hour and a half long. And um, please, and, we're, and we, we, we have this saying, we say, we don't wanna go back to quote normal because normal is so much of what produced and has created a society that is, that is um, racist, that has so much inequity, that has such poverty, that has broken healthcare systems. We wanna use this, this experience that we've all been going through together to see each other and hear each other in new ways I think that's one of the things that this pandemic has helped us with, see that what happens in Wuhan and what happens in Vancouver and what happens in Sao Paulo affects us all. We are together. What a great way to look at the world, Kathy. And that leads us into our three and 30, Kathy, our favorite segment at the end of every episode. So three things that the audience can do in the next 30 days to start to apply some of your approaches. Do I say it out loud? Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Oh, oh, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, three thirty. You say it. You say, you'll say it better than I ever will. So okay. you go ahead. Okay. Well, you've all heard the yes and concept, and you've heard a version of it. Listen and grow connections by saying yes and in conversations. And notice when you say yes but instead, you go whoops, whoops, I made a mistake. Whoops. 
perform curiosity, ask questions, and then follow up with more. We discussed that. Okay, and this is dance to music on an upcoming Zoom meeting call. Videos on. Choose that a piece of music, three minutes long, and boogie. Yeah, that, that one seems like the scariest one of all. Kathy, <laughs> uh, Kathy, I want to thank you for joining us today. I, I thought it was very fitting. I saw Olivia Wilde posted a quote from Bukowski this morning, and it read, if you're going to try, go all the way. There's no other feeling like that. You will be along with the gods, and the nights will flame with fire. You will ride life straight to perfect laughter. It's the only good fight there is. And Kathy, your work speaks to that quote in spades. What oh, a delight! Uh, what a delight to speak with you today. Uh, thanks for joining us, and I, I know our audience appreciates it as well. And for Thank those you. wanting to uh, for those wanting to stay connected, you can find Kathy at performanceofalifetime.com. If you have questions for us, you can email us anytime at info at unleashedresults.com and follow us on Twitter at Unleash Results. And uh, if you want the video summaries, so these are put it on YouTube, you can get them where all your podcasts are found in one hub on our website, go to unleashresults.com and you'll find the Unleashed uh, tab where all of our episodes are archived for your viewing and listening pleasure. And if we're looking ahead to uh, some of the offers, we are giving away Kathy's book. So you can enter into a copy in the bonus offer form for uh, one of two copies that we're giving away of that book, Performance Breakthrough. And it's a phenomenal book. I read it in the last couple of weeks, and there's a lot of things in there in addition to the episode that are going to uh, resonate strongly, I'm sure. And if you're ready to take the next step, you can receive a copy of our latest public offer. So we're working on a, a concept right now around getting your business ready to accelerate out of this pandemic curve. And there's six essential steps and approaches that we're finding successful companies are utilizing just to get ahead of things a little bit. Get your team ready, get the market ready, making sure that you're ready to capitalize on opportunities they, as they present themselves. So just check on the box there and we'll send you that complimentary download that you can start applying with your own team inside your own company. And I mentioned at the start, we're gonna give our, all of our audience a chance to receive a discount on grass-fed beef and hormone-free chicken and healthy fish delivered right to your doorstep with Alberta startup Bessie Box. So make sure you click on the link. Uh, I will send that to you if you click on the option in the offer form and you'll get that results 10% discount to start enjoying their delicious food delivered right to your doorstep. And I hope you can join us next week. We're going to be joined by David C. Baker. And David C. Baker is a positioning expert. So he's going to talk about the mistakes that people make when positioning their product or service in the marketplace and how we can stop doing business with the wrong people and start doing it with the right people for more profit, more loyalty, and more referrals. So I hope you'll join us next week for my conversation with David C. Baker. Until then, be well, everybody, and thank you for joining us today.